0: Please join me in the prayer for illumination found in your bulletin. Lord, open our hearts and minds by the power of your Holy Spirit, that as the scriptures are read and the word proclaimed, we may hear with joy what you say to us today. Amen. Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John and led them up a high mountain apart by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his clothes became dazzling white, such as no one on earth could bleach them. And there appeared to them Elijah and Moses, who were talking with Jesus. Then Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three dwellings, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what to say, for they were terrified. When, the, when a cloud overshadowed them, and from the cloud there came a voice, This is my son, the beloved. Listen to him. Suddenly when they looked around, they saw no one with them anymore, but only Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, he ordered them to tell no one about what they had seen, until after the Son of Man had risen from the dead. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God.
1: I'd love to have a moment with the children. So if you're here in the sanctuary and you wanna come and join me, I would love to see you up here. And if you're worshiping from home, just get a little closer to your screens and we'll have just a minute together. Wow, look at all of you, all of our singers, our acolytes. It's wonderful to see you all. Feel free to bring a parent or grandparent or friend with you. This moment is for everybody in fact sometimes I have grown-ups who say to me I made I understood your children's message better than I did your sermon so it's for everybody (laughs) come on up what a happy day so good to see all of you well Ellie just read a story about Jesus And it's a story about Jesus going up on the mountain to pray, and he took three of his disciples with him, and while they were there, Jesus began to shine. His clothes began to sparkle, and the disciples suddenly could see that Jesus wasn't just their friend and just someone that they'd been spending time with, he was also the Son of God, And they could see God shining through Jesus. One of the things that we believe in the church is that all of us are created in the image of God. It means that God is in all of us. And so really we're all shining with the love of God in us. So I want to take a minute and just look out there. I want all of you out there to smile really big. Just a bright, loving smile, okay? Now you guys turn and look at all those bright, shining faces. It's like they're all shining with the love of God. Can you smile like you're shining? Yeah! We're supposed to shine God's love in this world. So that helps me remember When I'm just walking through the grocery store or driving my car or doing normal things during the day, that every person I see is shining with the love of God. And that helps me be kinder. And it helps me love myself, too. Let's pray together. Gracious God, you love us so much. Help us to shine your love in this world. And help us when we look at other people, no matter who they are, what they're wearing, how they look, that they are your child and they're shining too. Thank you for loving all of us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, three, four, and five-year-olds can go and shine in Children's Church with Pastor Maggie and Molly. Then you belong in Children's Church. And if you're older than that, you can go back and sit with friends or family. A week ago, Friday, in the congregational email that went out, which hopefully most of you get that congregational email, I shared a link to a musical performance I had been part of down in Atlanta while I was at a workshop at Candler School of Theology. It wasn't so much a performance as it was an informance. It was led by Professor Jimmy Abingdon, professor of, of worship and music at Candler, And he used that word informants to describe it because we were we were singing and we were experiencing music together, but he was also taking opportunities to teach us about various hymns and the history of, of some of the songs. But really more than anything for me, it was a service of worship. We were singing these hymns that, as Dr. Abington talked about, um, had been either adopted and adapted in the black church or had originated from the black church. Songs of hope and liberation, and as we were singing and learning and worshiping, I found myself looking around the chapel. At the variety of of faces and experiences and stories that were gathered, it was an incredibly diverse group of people, and we were all singing our hearts out and clapping and moving our bodies in worship. And my soul was lifted up and filled. It was a thin place for a moment there. You've heard that word used perhaps a thin place, either a place or an experience that feels like heaven and earth are so close, that somehow the, the veil is lifted and we get a glimpse of the holy. We get a taste of, of beloved community in the kingdom of God. We get a shimmer of glory. And it was that kind of experience for me that day. This morning, we hear a similar kind of experience that Peter, James, and John had with Jesus. It's the story of the transfiguration. The church places this story on the Sunday before Lent begins for a reason, which we'll talk about in a minute. But these three disciples are invited to go up the mountain with Jesus, presumably to pray, as was Jesus' habit. But while they're up there and while Jesus is praying, as I shared with the children, his Jesus' clothing starts to dazzle and shine, and he is transfigured in front of them. And then they see Moses and Elijah come and begin talking with Jesus. The Jews believed that Moses and Elijah were two of the people who were living in heaven, alive with God. They also represent the law and the prophets. So here we see Jesus as the fulfillment of the law and the prophets in this eternal moment, this heavenly moment. And the disciples see him in all of his glory. And then, of course, Peter pulls a Peter. He starts talking. He starts trying to put meaning on it, do something with it, manage it, control the experience. He says, Lord, um, it's good for us to be here. Thanks, Peter. You didn't really have to say that. Yes, of course it's good. It's good for us to be here. Let us make three dwellings, one for Moses, one for Elijah, one for you, and we'll just, we'll just capture the experience and we'll just stay here up on this mountain, all together, just the six of us. Jesus doesn't respond in the moment. The cloud of mystery Continues to cover them, and then a voice speaks and says, This is my son. Listen to him. Shh, Peter. Just listen. And then the cloud lifts, and there they stand with just Jesus. Now, why this experience? Why Peter, James, and John? I don't know. Jesus takes Peter, James, and John with him on a lot of special occasions, taking them to a a further away place or a deeper experience, and I don't know why that is necessarily. But I wonder with this episode, if it's perhaps because Peter, James, and John were struggling the most to understand Jesus' mission. Jesus had begun in the chapter before this to talk with the disciples about suffering, to tell them that the road's going to get hard, I'm going to get in trouble, the authorities are going to arrest me, I'm going to be killed, and on the third day I will rise again, but there is going to be suffering that's coming our way. And in chapter 8, when Jesus says that, Peter pulls him aside and says, well, Mark doesn't tell us what he says, he just says he rebukes Jesus. Peter is not interested in Jesus' suffering. He doesn't think the path of the Messiah should take him through suffering. He doesn't doesn't get it yet. And then in the next chapter, in chapter 10, John and James are arguing with each other about who is the greatest. So they're kind of caught up in the rising fame of Jesus. So maybe Jesus knows somehow that these three need some remedial training, They need a little extra help because the road's going to get hard. They need to go to a thin place with Jesus because they're going to be in the thick of it before they know it. And they're going to need this memory, this experience to hold on to, to remember who Jesus is, to remember that this is an eternal moment, to remember that there will be resurrection so they can hold on when the road gets hard. I think from time to time, God gives us thin moments or takes us to thin places, gives us experiences where we just get glimmers of heaven or a taste of beloved community so that when we come back down the mountain, When we get to the daily living of our days and get in the thick of it, we can hold on and trust and hope. After I experienced that heavenly moment in that informants at Candler on Thursday, just a few days later I went to a workshop that Brentwood United Methodist helped to sponsor The theologian, historian, and writer, Jamar Tisby, was talking about his new book, How to Fight Racism. He's also written a wonderful book, The Color of Compromise. And he was talking about how the the work for equality and justice for all people in our world is, is just a constant struggle. It takes a sustained commitment. We have to be in the thick of it working and being aware and doing all we can to live out God's love and justice in the world. And so we need these moments, these thin moments, these moments of celebration and hope and worship and receiving the grace and shining love of God so that we can continue the work down the mountain. I would like to think my hope and prayer is that this time on Sunday morning each week, this place, if you're here in the sanctuary, or this time together, if you're worshiping over live stream, could be a thin place for all of us. When we gather on Tuesday mornings to plan worship, our prayer is that each one of us can be doing our part and doing our best, the the choir in rehearsing, uh, the liturgists in preparing, me in studying the scriptures and preparing a sermon, uh, the musicians and all that we do so that we can just open up the space to allow the Holy Spirit to do what the Spirit will in our midst, in all of us. And our prayer is that whether it's through a a phrase in the opening hymn or a silence that extends a little longer than expected or the voice of one of our youth reading the scripture text or the singing of the doxology as we offer our gifts that, that our hearts and spirits will be filled with the mystery of God. That we might be transformed and transfigured by our time in a thin place. It's easy to, to become habitual about our worship life, to, to come to church on Sunday morning, to turn on the computer and sit down and, and look for that music that's going to suit our tastes and to listen for a sermon or a word that's going to reinforce what we already believe, make sure that the pastor checks off all the things that we believe, But there are already so many spaces in our world that will just reinforce who we are. There are algorithms on social media that will do that. We can go to our preferred news outlets and be reinforced in what we already think and already believe. We can choose to hang out with friends who look like us and think like us and never be changed. But I pray that this community, this time of worship, this space can be a space where we can be changed. I heard a theologian say years ago, I can't remember who it was, maybe one of my professors at Candler who said we should have a sign out in the church saying, everyone is welcome in worship. Come join us in worship. You never know what's going to happen. <laughs> you never know how God might speak to you and to me. I had a member of our church the other day say to me, he's a relatively new member in the past couple of years this church is changing me. Now, I would edit that a little to say God is changing us through the church. But what an answer to prayer. That is who we are to be, those who gather for worship and make space for the Holy Spirit and come in with the expectation that we will be changed and transformed. So my hope as I preach is not to tell you what to do or what to think, but to walk with you through the scriptures and say, here's what I saw, what do you see? What is God doing to me and to you as we worship, as we gather, as we come up the mountain to this thin place week after week after week? Because the truth is, we have to go back down the mountain, We go live our daily lives, and God is everywhere, and there are thin places everywhere. It's not just on Sunday morning in churches. But we do have hard things before us. And so we need to come away to a thin place, a thin time, regularly, so we can get back into the thick of it and shine with the love of God.